welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt, the motorator DeAndre here with Bill Goldberg. Good morning. We were just chatting and laughing, so <laughs> how are you? Well, I was just asleep. <laughs> I know you got a big trip coming up. You're coming up on uh, going to do your signing event in the in the UK and uh, grabbing Wanda. going to spend a few days out there. You might as well. Yeah, I'm so ecstatic. I, I'm very much looking forward to the 10-hour trip. That's so... Uh... <laughs> That's one of those, uh, I don't know, it's just an issue with getting to Europe, right? You know, so well, the, <laughs> the travel side of it is, is a little, is, is always can be kind of an issue, but, uh, but it'll be a, I think it'll be a fun trip. You know, I've, I've only been out there a handful of times, usually for a Goodwood event, one of the Goodwoods revival or festival of speed and, you know, and you fly into Heathrow, maybe you stay in London for the night and, then you got to drive out for, I don't know, is it two hours, hour and a half, something like that? Like just getting out to Chichester? Because you've done oh, that yeah. one before. We, we, we land and then drive three hours to Manchester, do the event there, and then, you know, two days later, drive three hours uh, to Chichester, pretty much. Uh, yeah. And uh, um, the Cotswolds Coswold, or whatever. And, you know, I'm taking Wanda out there. We're going to have a great time. You're yeah. Relax for a couple of days and it's, Relaxing is something that I uh, don't really know the definition of anymore. So we're going to see if I can reinvent it. I and uh, so I guess while you are going to do that next week, I'm going to do a quick trip to Detroit, and wow. I'm going to uh, I'm going to I'm going to hang out with Ford for just a minute. I'm going to check out the new Ford Ranger and possibly a Ranger Raptor. I'd be cool to see them finally bring it here to the u.s and when i say quick trip i i'm gonna go out thursday morning because when you're flying that direction flying toward the east you kind of lose your, your day uh so i'm gonna fly to i'm gonna fly to detroit i'm gonna stay the night at a hotel near the airport and then i'm gonna go to the ford event friday morning at 9 a.m and then at 10 30 i'm gonna leave go back to the airport i'm gonna be there for an hour and a half Dude, you're like that's like Goldberg travel. That's that's it. I'm taking a page out of your book. I'll be there for an hour and a half, and I'll hopefully bring back some news on what's going on with Ford Ranger. Uh, uh, yeah, it's just going to be uh, a quick trip, and then I've got stuff to do here when I get back. But I was kind of hoping to spend a little bit more time there. It just didn't just didn't work out. I just I got to be back, and Ford's making it very efficient for us. Uh, actually. <laughs> I, I might be out there at the same exact time that Alistair Weaver from Edmonds. I think he's it's, you know, it's a media event and they've got it broken out into blocks and, and you know, certain amount of people per per block. And then they, you know, bring you in, you bring you out. And I think we were trying to time it that uh, that our schedule was, you know, similar. So I don't know, maybe we were even on the same flight together. Uh, we didn't get that far. We didn't get that far. We had lunch the other day. We were we were chatting about like what's going on with everything that we're doing, and uh, uh, it's good to see they're they're doing well and growing and innovating. Um, but uh, looks like everybody's prospering in the current time. You know, whether it's auctions or whether it's you know, I, it, yeah. selling online, whatever it may be. I mean, the uh, the craze is still going on. The craze is going on. Um, uh, most recently, we had uh, Bear Jackson, Palm Beach, 
And, you know, it's, it, it's no secret that, uh, that Craig wanted to, I don't know if I want to say that Craig wanted to slow down a little bit, but, uh, this group Endeavor that, uh, in, in, in your world, Endeavor just did the, the big acquisition of UFC and WWE. They've been buying up, um, they've been buying up huge, like event properties, companies. And well, we can't beat your competition and buy them. Yeah, right. Uh, but prior to that acquisition, which has been interesting, is I think it was in in August. Um, yeah, it was like it was like the week before we were out there for Monterey Car Week, mm-hmm. and they announced the acquisition that Endeavor bought fifty one percent of Barrett Jackson. So Craig still runs it with his team. Um, but uh, a load off of his shoulders uh, by being able to to slow down a little bit, take a little bit of a vacation, I think. Um, and congratulations to him. I believe they paid him $261 million for his 51%, which, you know, I'm just saying the number because it's a great number and it's not a secret. It's out now. When the press release came out, I don't think the number was out there, but now that seems to be the number. And I was like three or four days or a week after the acquisition, I saw Craig and Carolyn and Monterey. And I was like, I just read the news. Congratulations. And, and she's like, Oh yeah. You know, our guy on staff, their finance guy has just been busting his ass for five months on, on just making that deal. And she said, uh, uh, and she said, yeah. uh, After the last auction, it was the first time. Craig went on vacation. She's like, we we went on vacation. She goes, usually it's like the auction ends and he's back in the office on Monday planning getting in for the next one. And they they took a little vacation. So I think the whole point is but but you know as well as I do, it's gonna be really tough for Craig to step away in any way, shape, or form. I mean, he's not stepping away, but it's gonna be hard for him to slow down. At all, I, I I think I think it will for sure. I mean, you know, this is this is an auction that you know his dad and friend put together. Um, I remember going long ago after his dad passed, and Craig was running the auction back when his hair was all dark and not what it is now. <laughs> uh, and you know, and his mom sitting like in the front row of every auction, and I was just thinking back that. This is a family business. It it's grown so much, uh, and he's turned it into something so amazing that um, I I couldn't imagine how proud his mom would have been if she was around to to see that deal happen. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, that part of it is sad, but he he did what he always sort of promised. I'm sure his mom that he was going to end up doing. So, um. A hell of a legacy with that with that auction. Yeah, look at what it's done over the past two years. And we're going to continue to go, and we'll see. Maybe they're going to expand to more events, and uh, hopefully, it doesn't go too crazy. Um, You know, we've seen uh, we've seen Haggerty buy up a bunch of events recently, and I think they've been doing a pretty good job. Like they're trying to grow that company. Haggerty bought the Gordon McCall's Jet Center party at at uh, at Monterey Car Week, 
and they bought the Amelia Island event that they just call the Amelia now. Um, and then they bought an auction company called Broad Arrow, which has been doing well. And it's got quite a few of uh, RM people over there now. And then they've rolled up that auction event into some of their events. So when you go to the Jet Center uh, Wednesday night and you got the big, you know, airplane and car party that uh, that Gordon McCall turned into a, a wonderful event. The auction is there. So they do the during the Wednesday night auction event or sorry, during the Wednesday, Wednesday night Jet Center event, they preview the auction cars. And then the next day, that same hangar turns into the auction. So that did well. And uh, they pulled some big numbers when we were there. They had uh, your, your your brother would be a fan. They had. All, they had the lineup of the cool Ferraris, right? F40, F50, La Ferrari. Like they had all the the Ferrari supercars there. They did really well. Uh, and now I think uh, the Broad Arrow is at the Amelia. Is you know, so I think that auction is going to be doing pretty well over there. So, uh, so it's nice to see some of these guys really start to to grow, but not saturate, not. Not go, hey, Haggerty's going to buy up every single event and and then try to turn it into a real business. Like, there's a little bit of thought and planning behind it. Thank God. Uh, all right. So, last week, we you said you had some garage doors on their way? Yes. Uh, they will be arriving two days after I get back from, from Europe. Okay. And, uh, it'll be the... the the last five day crunch of Goldberg's garage being completed. You know, uh, fifth set of, uh, 24 foot garage doors. Yeah. So hopefully this time they'll be correct. And, uh, you know, we fixed a little, little raining issue, uh, inside of the garage last week, fortunately for the people who were doing the trades because they're still living now. And, uh, you know, we're just, we got the, uh, Producer from uh, Speed Visions coming out the same week when we get back, and we're going to talk about some new show ideas. And then the simulator guys are coming that same week. They'll be here for four days installing the, the big sim. And yeah, you know, it's uh, a, a plethora of things uh, going on at Goldberg Garage. But hopefully, like I said, the final push will be done like the middle of uh, first first weekend of May, and uh, Hopefully, I can have a party then and kick all the trades out of the out of the garage for good. It'll be complete. Yeah, that'll be good. Sign me up. I want to come out for the big open house no event. <laughs> come out for the open house event. It's looking good. Uh, I, I, you know, the garage door thing because we talked about it. I don't know over the last year or so, uh, the last two years uh, on just the garage doors and. When they were in, it had the glass, and it had to be sort of a hurricane-proof glass, so it was a little too heavy, and the garage doors were too big, and it was kind of bowing. And uh, uh, then the third set shows up, still still wet from paint, and you know the cardboard pulls all the paint off, so those have to be sent back. And, you know, it's, just, <laughs> it's a debacle, one thing after another. I'm not going to mention the company's name unless this fifth time it doesn't work. But well, um, it looks like they made a nice piece. It's just 
they kind of bit off maybe a little more than they could chew when it came to the size and scope of the door and just how it ended up being size and weight. Well, yeah, I mean, taking the glass into consideration when you're factoring the weight of the door and its, you know, supports, you know, that's probably a smart thing. As I'm looking at the door right now and it's bowed at the top. So, I mean, you know, just uh, everybody needs to get on the same page. That's all. That's all. We'll get it done. Well, look, uh, once they get it all figured out, they're going to be like, who wants to buy a giant door? We're the only ones who figured out how to do it. Because, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It, I mean, it's it, they're going to have to kind of chalk it up to some R&D costs. On, yeah, on I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm so thankful to be the R&D for these people. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh all right, so we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have a guest join us in a in a in a few minutes. Um, we're gonna get into it in a little bit, but um, I I switched cars. I was telling you guys about the Genesis, the GV60, the electric uh, small SUV, and and compared to the the Audi Q4, uh, we swapped that out and grabbed the uh, G80 uh, sedan. So this one is not. <laughs> This one is not an SUV. This is a, a midsize sedan. Um, it's it, it's lovely. Uh, this one is also all electric. Uh, and uh, you know what? It's it's like 250 mile range. It's certainly quick. It's all wheel drive. Um, uh, the interior they did a great job. Uh, I think we'll get into it a little bit more on uh, maybe next week. Uh, You'll be out next week, so we'll get into it a little bit more next week. But uh, let's welcome our friend uh, Freddie Hernandez. You, you guys know him as as, as Tavarish on on. How YouTube. are you? How are you? Can doing? you uh, can you guys hear me pretty good? Yeah, we hear you all right. Awesome, uh, uh, Freddie. So I wanted to. I uh, Goldberg and I were chatting, and I was looking at some of the YouTube video stuff, and it's been a minute since we've had you on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, this has just kind of exploded for you. The the YouTube channel, congratulations. What do you got? Like two and a half million subscribers now. The videos are doing phenomenally well. Yeah, well, I, I mean, thank you. Thanks a lot. Um, I, I think I uh, we first met when I was just starting my YouTube channel, and I think I had you know no subscribers at all. And uh, I remember coming to uh, the shop and uh, interviewing Adam, and that's how I met you. Um, and yeah. it was, uh, it was, it was fantastic. And now, I mean, it's, it's gone pretty well. Uh, you know, I can't complain and now I'm making really bad, uh, financial decisions with cars. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's on brand, I guess. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, your channel in particular has been one of the ones that has really taken off. What do you, what do you, I mean, that's great. And congratulations. What do you think the formula is there? Like what, why are people gravitating toward your wacky stuff? <laughs> well, um, I, I tend to think of it as uh, whenever you have a project, people want to see that you're challenging yourself. And if you have uh, something that like, I don't know, if, if I did like a rebuild on a Honda Civic or like a Toyota Corolla, if people can see themselves in that in that situation, they're like, ah, oh, well, it's not that it's it's really not that impressive. But if they see that you're challenging yourself saying, well, I just bet 
essentially the farm on this car and uh, I don't know how to fix it, but I think I can figure it out along the way. I think people are very intrigued because they don't know, like you're, you're on that fence between uh, making it and breaking it. So um, I think the, the key to success in anything is uh, be authentic and then don't be afraid to mess up. Right now we're, we'll get into the, we'll get into the big car in a minute. <laughs> uh, but the idea was, I mean, maybe it's, I don't know if it started this way in an in evolve, but the idea was to, to take sort of the worst of what's out there, um, mm-hmm. like a cool car, right? You're taking a, yeah. I don't know, a Toyota Supra or a Ferrari or something, and you're mm-hmm. sort of taking the worst version of it and yep. seeing if it can be rebuilt. What yes. are some of the cars you've done? So uh, the first one that sort of blew up my channel was a fire damaged 2008 Lamborghini Gallardo Spider. Uh, it was a um, uh, manual, uh, gated manual, and it had like a haphazard twin turbo kit. So uh, right off the bat, I mean, this is like YouTube gold. Um, so I fixed that in my uh, two car garage. And then from then um, we did a um, movie car from the eighth Fast and Furious movie, Lamborghini Murcielago that Tyrese drove. Uh, and then that went on to SEMA. It won some awards at SEMA and then went to the Peterson Automotive Museum for two years. And then after that, I did a McLaren 675 LT that was crashed in the front and back. And we brought that back and then took that to SEMA and uh, did uh, did a, a few episodes of uh, Car Trek, my sort of top gear knockoff show. And then, um, you know, in between, we've had you know, uh, a Ferrari 430 Scuderia, BMW M3, Toyota Supra, uh, just anything that I found interesting. Uh, and I had to find these cars in the worst shape imaginable. How many of the projects actually got done and how many couldn't be fixed? Well, uh, most of them, most of them are like almost there. And uh, I think very small amount of projects can't be fixed. Uh, there was a one that was like an SLC, which is a super light cars. Uh, it's like almost like a kit car, but it's a mid engine car. Very, very cool to drive. Um, but I bought one crashed and uh, the chassis on that was just too far gone. So I had to basically scrap it. Um, and then, uh, I don't think any other projects, I mean, I had like a fast and furious eclipse replica, um, but I just didn't really care that much because, uh, it needed all the movie accurate stuff. And, uh, turns out getting movie accurate parts for a tribute car is really expensive. I don't know if you want to spend $40,000 on a Mitsubishi eclipse that has 140 horsepower. I didn't feel like doing that. Uh, so that ended up, uh, just, you know, getting sold on. But then, um, yeah, every other thing I, I'm, I'm pretty passionate about, and I, I really love these cars, and I can't afford them when they're nice. So I can make them nice and in the process kind of build my YouTube channel. All right, let's get, in, uh, let's get into the, to the McLaren a little bit. So, uh, uh-huh. I mean, you can tell the story, but very famously, uh, terrible uh, weather hurricane in Florida, and someone's, uh, well, Everyone's cars washed away, and among them uh, was a McLaren P1. Yes. So uh, in September of last year, Hurricane Ian, which is a Category 4 storm, uh, came to the west coast of uh, Florida, uh, to the the Gulf. And uh, nobody thought that it would hit where it hit. Uh, It was The trajectory was uh, in one place, and then it actually hit further south. So people weren't really prepared for a Category 4 storm. Uh, 
and especially the people that were living by the coast, which got like nine to 10 feet of storm surge. So uh, as you can imagine, people that live on the coast, pretty wealthy. You know, they have nice homes, nice cars. So they all got flooded. And among those cars was a 300 mile 2015 McLaren P1 that had been purchased for $2 million 10 days prior to the storm hitting. So uh, this guy, he, um, he put it in his garage next to his brand new Rolls Royce Phantom. And then he just watched, he stay, actually stayed home during the hurricane. He watched as uh, the floodwaters rose and the floodwaters came into the garage. And then the floodwaters dragged the cars out of the garage and 500 yards down the street, both cars. And they're bumping into everything, basically turning them to, into boats. The McLaren was a bit better of a boat than the than the Rolls Royce was, but it still, you know, went underwater and it got damaged. And, you know, and everybody saw it because he took videos of it and uh, put it up on Instagram and TikTok like immediately. So, well, for his insurance company, in why wouldn't you? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Because he'd be like, oh, I don't want to pay two million dollars anymore. I'm going to hit it with the hose. No, this full on like. If, yeah. that, I don't know. That water was three feet high, four feet high in his garage before oh, yeah. those things worked their way yeah. out of the garage and flowed down the street. <laughs> yeah. So that that car was um, I mean, you you didn't see it in the videos, but that's when the floodwaters were just starting to rise. But that car was fully submerged. Like uh, when I got the car um, and I'll tell a story about how I, you know, I, I, I bought the car and it's a, it's crazy. Um, but the uh, the roof scoop, the air intake on the roof had sand in it so it's like there's no part of that car usually with copart they have like this little uh crayon uh line and they put wl for water line uh it didn't have that because the entire car was underwater so it basically was underwater salt water by the way which is the worst kind of uh flood to have and uh this is a hybrid and hyper car and all that stuff so it's like it's the worst of any situation yeah (laughs) (laughs) so uh, well, all right. Why take on this project? Did you bite off more than you can chew? Uh, well, so, I mean, I've made a career uh, out of biting off more than I could chew. I, I think it makes uh, sense. I feel like I haven't really challenged myself in a big way in, in the last two years. I mean, my last project was a McLaren 675LT, and I learned a lot from that. Um, but uh, with this, I felt like... Um, I don't know about you guys, uh, like 10 years ago, there was a um, video that uh, was, you know, one of the first viral videos. And it was that Bugatti that went into the Galveston Bay. Like it, it drove into the Galveston Bay by a dude named Andy House, who then went to jail for insurance fraud because he said there was a seagull and there wasn't. Um, so that car was for sale like a few years ago. And I had the chance to buy it and I didn't because I didn't have enough money or I didn't think it was worth it. But now that car would have been, you know, the amazing, like the amazing story of bringing that car back would have made uh, all the sense in the world now. So when I saw that P1, I was like, I'm not gonna let this get away. Like this, this feels like the universe is calling to me because when I first saw it, I said, okay, well, there's no way I can afford that. It's gonna be millions and millions of dollars. It's not gonna be worth it. Then it went up for a sale at Copart. Uh, it no sailed at 400 grand. And then it went up for sale again, no sale for 398. And then they put a buy it now 600, 600 grand. Now I don't have $600,000, but um, you know, then it, uh, it went, the buy it now went down to 575. And I said, well, I'm, I'd be stupid not to buy it at this point. Um, so I uh, enlisted the help of uh, one of my friends who 
it seems like he has a lot of money. I said, hey, do you know anybody that could let me borrow this amount of money for this project? And he said, actually, I do. So I went to a bank, a local bank here, uh, like a credit union, and they lent me the money in three days, which is <laughs> which is insane. And they knew exactly. I'm not like, you know, trying to scam them out of some money. Like I told them, I'm a YouTuber. This is what the this is what it's for. Here's the car. It has this, uh, you know, has this history. It doesn't run, but this is what I want it for. And then they were like, "Okay, cool. Let's uh, let's do it." Um, so, <laughs> as soon as I got the, the the green light on that, I got the money. I went to Copart, got the car, and I'm like, "Oh my goodness, this is way <laughs> this is way more than I thought it was going to be." All right. So you, this is one of the questions that I kept thinking about. The water damage for sure sucked. I used to live in Florida. I was I was out there for Hurricane Andrew. I ran a hurricane shelter with Red Cross and and yeah. uh, Air Force Auxiliary and stuff. And um, mm-hmm. uh, water sucks. Um, the salt water sucks. It, it and when when it gets all into that and sits, it it smells terrible. It's it's. But is water worse than fire? Uh, yes and no. So fire does something to metal. Um, and it makes metal harder in some instances, like if it doesn't just outright melt it, um, fire makes it uh, harder and more brittle. So you lose the properties of whatever metal was affected. So if it's in a structural zone, like, uh, like a crash structure, you can no longer trust that crash structure if there was like significant fire there. So you'd have to replace all the metal. Uh, with water, if you have an aluminum tub um, or a carbon tub, it doesn't really matter. So the only things that are going to be affected are electrical things. The problem, though, uh, in my instance, is that my car was a hybrid. And that giant hybrid battery started discharging in the water. And what it did was it uh, it electrified like it's short circuited, but it uh, it basically electrified the water around it. And it had this process called electrolysis and the aluminum, the grounds and all the uh, the frame. It started wearing away because the salt started like attacking it essentially. So you have these like big pits of corrosion on the frame. You have them uh, on the inside of the car where like the the rails are for the uh, uh, the the electrical system for the grounds. And it's, it's so weird because it's like the death throes of this hybrid hypercar. And it's just like jettisoning part of itself. It's, it was, it was crazy. I didn't expect that to happen. Um, but other than that, I mean, you deal with rust on like steel components, like untreated steel, but on the P1, there's very little of that. So it's not really that bad. So it's just like electrical connectors and stuff. There's going to be some things like, cause you've, You've obviously dug into these cars quite quite a bit. The 675 that you did had some damage to it. I remember you fixing some carbon fiber and even basically just yeah. told the story, can carbon fiber be fixed? Mm-hmm. And and essentially, yes, there there is a solution to get it done. Yeah. The the fire car seems like you kind of lose your roadmap. You can't tell what's a red wire or blue wire when you're, you know, disarming yeah. the bomb and exactly uh, uh the water car you can you can sort of trace your steps even if it needs to be replaced now yeah. on the 675 you know you painted it you did an interior on it you you know you fixed some carbon fiber these are all things that we're seeing some of the best fabricators and hot rod builders doing today yeah so you can kind of 
go to the aftermarket for stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You don't get it. I don't think you get an opportunity to go to the aftermarket on a P1 when you need an electric motor or, you know, their, their battery, uh, yeah. you know, so at some point when you're contemplating buying this car, you were thinking, mm-hmm. how much of this shit can I do myself with my right. team versus mm-hmm. how, how many times am I going to have to call McLaren? Yeah. My, my yeah. question is what did McLaren think of this whole process? Yeah. So sure that's a, it. that's a that's a really <laughs> that's a really good question. I'll answer them in reverse order. So um McLaren officially I am dead to them. So I just came back from the UK and I was supposed to attend their unveil of the new 750S that just came out like yesterday. Yeah. Uh and it's, you know, just basically the 720S with some 765 bits like bolted on. Um and they don't want anything to do with me. Uh, mainly because I guess it's an image thing for them. But behind the scenes, I have gotten dozens of messages from P1 technicians, from owners of um, dealerships. Uh, I've, I've went to a McLaren dealership uh, here locally, and they're totally fine with me doing the work. And they're like, you know, if you need any parts, let us know, whatever. They're totally like they're yeah, they're running cool. a business. They, they Absolutely. Sell, they want to sell parts. They want to get work. Yeah. You know, let us know if we can help. You know, we charge only $180 an hour. <laughs> it, it, exactly. But like um, it, it's also like I went over there to to have their technicians look at the car and see what they think. I wanted to get an estimate for them to see, you know, how much money this actually would cost if somebody would go to McLaren. Um, so McLaren officially isn't going to, they're not going to be like, oh yeah, we're going to sponsor you. Like that's not going to happen. Um, so I do have to find out a lot of these things on my own. Now, the aftermarket thing is very interesting because a lot of things become possible when the car is million dollar plus. Um, so now instead of like uh, you having to budget for certain things, like now you can fly out and meet with people in a different country because it's still like buying one of those parts is still like it's cheaper to do R&D on your own to make one uh, make a part for yourself than buying a part retail from McLaren. Um so like for me to 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 fix some carbon fiber to the you know to the finish that it once was it's really not that bad um to buy parts actually like the parts are available they're just super expensive like crazy like a a rear wing uh the rear spoiler is 35,000 pounds which is like $45,000. And, uh, you know, front splitter is another 30 grand, you know, like just stuff that is like stupid, stupid, stupid money. Um, So I'm going to try to fix as much as I can. Uh, The stuff like the battery, that is uh, really interesting because you'd think that McLaren would be the only game in town, but there are different companies uh, making, like developing their own batteries because McLaren dropped the ball on that so much. Um, So when the P1 came out, the battery was like the most one of the most unreliable things about that car because people never drove them. So the batteries just sat and their, uh, their chargers, which were 30 grand in themselves, those went bad. And then the cars just sat, the batteries went flat. They wouldn't charge uh, right. And then to install a new battery, it was like $160,000. So as you can imagine, now you have a, a market of people of, you know, hundreds of people that need this one thing. That's hundreds of thousands of dollars. Even if you charged, I don't know, 80 or a hundred grand, you'd still be saving 50, $60,000. And if you have a more viable solution, you're, you're making millions of dollars at that point. So uh, there are a few companies in the game. I have talked to them. That's one of the reasons why I went to the UK. 
and there is a company that uh, is developing their own battery um, that should be way more um, robust and lighter. And, uh, you know, the technology now is way better than we had uh, 10 years ago. So uh, I have the battery issue sorted, kind of. Um, we'll see where that goes. Um, if that falls through, I do have a used battery from a, a friend of mine that has a P1 that is getting a newer battery put in. Uh, and then the rest is just like regular McLaren stuff, like the engine and gearbox. Like I, I know that inside and out. Um, and I know people that have rebuilt those things. That's so not really that bad. And then like everything else is, is just, it's regular car stuff. Yeah. I guess it's interesting. Cause we always kind of think about a, a question that comes up, like when we go to Goodwood or, or, or even Monterey and we talk to people that don't normally go to those events and we go, Oh, this is the greatest event in the world. People are racing $10 million cars. You go to Goodwood and you, you'll see Ferrari 250 LM. You'll see $70 million cars going around the track. And sometimes they trade paint. They bring it back in. And, oh, yeah. and, uh-huh. and, and they're like, oh, they're like, I, I, at one point is the car ruined? I go, if it's $70 million, it's never ruined. Anything can yeah. be rebuilt. Like, mm-hmm. you, you know, you, I think uh, John Morton like rolled a scarab or something at, at, <laughs> at uh, uh, in Monterey, you know, years and years ago, and mm-hmm. you you rebuild it. Why? Because it's worth a shit ton of money, and it can be rebuilt. Yeah. I mean, I get it. The rebuilt version isn't at, worth quite as much as if it wasn't rebuilt. But so many of these cars, especially in the collector car world, the value of these cars have increased so much that there's no real scenario where you don't rebuild the car. You yeah. know, Adam Carolla's Porsche 935, mm-hmm. he's raced it. We've done things uh, on that car to to continue to race it and maintain it. Um, you know, God forbid something happens and that thing burnt to the ground, we would rebuild it. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And and like um what I what I think about um you know, there's people that that say Oh, the car wasn't worth what I paid for it, and I paid five hundred seventy-five thousand. I didn't haggle them on anything. I just uh, <laughs> uh, paid the asking price because I'm smart. Um, <laughs> I figured, you know, whatever I pay now in two years, that's going to be a, a bargain, and uh, that's what I figured it'd probably take me to fit to finish the car. So um, that car, the the P1, I think is probably the last McLaren that is truly like significant. So um, like the Speedtail and the Senna, they're fine, but I think they're shades of like the same thing. Uh, the Speedtail never really made um, much sense because you had cars that were faster than it. You know, the McLaren F1, that was the fastest car in the world, 241 miles an hour. This crazy, you know, money, no object uh, science project by Gordon Murray. Um, that was very significant. And I think the P1 was like the first of the hybrid hypercars, you know, the Holy Trinity with the LaFerrari and 918. You know, that got people really excited about cars again when, uh, you know, Jeremy Clarkson famously said, like, I think the internal combustion days are over. Um, but now, you know, these things are a thousand horsepower plus. And after that, what what do you have? Like, you don't really have anything that's you know, everything is now shades of the same thing. You have four liter V8s, twin turbos on in everything. They make around the same horsepower, around the same top speed, around the same, you know, driving experience. They just look different. Um, so I think in five, 10 years, that car is going to be, you know, worth a lot more. 
And the story that I put into my car, I'm never selling it, by the way, so I don't care about resale value. But the story I put in my car, um, I think is, uh, I'm going to try to make it the best sort of uh, P1 underdog story, if you can, <laughs> if you can call it that. Um, so I want to do some, some significant things with it. Uh, and I've been thinking about this uh, for the last few days. Um, I want to make my own special edition. So uh, there's this company called Lenzante in the UK, and uh, they do like uh, these uh, GTR race cars and they make them into road cars and uh, they charge a pretty penny for it. They're very good at it. They used to do the F1 LM, like the long tail cars uh, back in the 90s. And they're very good at it. But I feel like if they could do it, surely a YouTuber from Florida can make his own car. <laughs> um, so I want to um, take this P1 and make it the fastest McLaren on Earth. Uh, now, the fastest McLaren on Earth right now is a Speedtail. And uh, it has, you know, a thousand horsepower. And it's, it's basically this, it's the same power to weight ratio as a, as a P1. So I want to... Um, have a better power to weight ratio. And then I want to remove this top speed limiter and I want to see what it can really do. So I'm planning on renting out the um, Cape Canaveral, that runway, that three mile long runway, uh, and then seeing if this thing can top 250 miles an hour. And I think based on that, it'll be the actual spiritual successor to the McLaren F1 that everybody wanted it to be. And McLaren did a P1 GTR. Yeah, they did. A, they did a, a track focused racing car. As a matter of fact, yeah. I saw it at the Goodwood Festival of Speed. And when I was yeah. there, I think, Bill, you were there that year with us. And it's it set the track record like it, it, it did. Won. Yeah. yeah, it's incredibly, incredibly fast, by the way, incredibly fast and cool to see because it wasn't like an all electric like Volkswagen supercar. Right. That just, exactly. Yeah. Like it, it had, you know, it had that electrification boost but it was it had a fucking motor in it like it was oh it was, yeah ab you know, absolutely i mean these, it was, these things were rocket it was, ships yeah. it was sick to see like it was just awesome and it sounded great and it looked good so mm -hmm. i i guess maybe the gtr can provide a little bit of a roadmap for you like what did they do to make that car fast yes um so the gtr is is similar but different so the D gtr is going to be like a track focus more like a senna um, so I want to make more of a top speed machine. So in order to do that, it's like drag racing versus, uh, you know, going on like VIR, right? Like it's right. just, it's different things. So you, uh, you tune them differently. Um, I know that, uh, this McLaren, this P1 has a race mode where it lowers itself and the wing comes up, looks really right. cool. Um, but, uh, if I could modify that where the wing doesn't come up and then just, it just lowers itself, become like hunkers down and becomes as small as possible. Um, you know, has a, has a small footprint in the air. I think that could work. Um, I will have to do some wind tunnel testing. Like I'll do some computer wind tunnel testing. I don't have the money to put my, you know, P1 in a wind tunnel. Um, but, uh, I know that, uh, tire technology has come a long way. Uh, I know that tuning has come a long way. I'm thinking about uh, doing a, a four liter instead of a three eight that's in there. Uh, maybe some better turbo technology, uh, you know, better boost, higher boost, uh, stuff like that. And then uh, we do some lightweight reduction. I mean, the car is already fairly light for what it is, but uh, if we get a better power to weight, then it can get there that much faster. So, um, Based on that, I think, you know, breaking the record that the Speedtail has set out wouldn't be that bad because the final drive ratio of the Speedtail is exactly the same as a P1. 
And it's exactly the same as every McLaren other than the 675 and the new 750S. So in theory, if you took the top speed limiter off of any McLaren, given enough power, it could do the same speed till numbers. The McLaren P1 GTR, I, I, what is a, what is a, a, a P1? 904 horsepower? So the GTR yeah, was like it's not, 980 it's 903. something? Yeah, it's 903. And then the GTR is like 986 or something like that. Yeah. So uh, a, a mild bump. And like you said, more in the tuning and the, you know, lifting the speed limiters and stuff. Yeah. So uh, the GTR actually has a lower top speed because of all the arrows. So it has that fixed wing. Right. And it does have DRS, uh, but it's still... It's so there's so much drag at high speed because it needs to needs to have the high speed cornering. I mean, I think it did like 2.5 lateral G's or something. It's something insane. Yeah, um, the, the the wing added I don't know 1,300 pounds of downforce at yeah, at 160 miles an hour. Like it meant yeah. to plant. So, but if you're making a car to be let's say a top speed contender for McLaren, um, there are some thoughts. You're right. You're some simulated wind tunnel testing so that thing doesn't lift off the air lift yeah. off the ground uh i i know weight reduction is is on the menu but you're gonna have to have a roll cage you're gonna have well to do yeah, something yes there. <laughs> um yes so the, the the car already has it's it's called a mono cage uh so the entire carbon fiber structure is uh like the the regular mclarens have a mono tub like a mono cell uh which is basically just like a cage cut in half. Uh, but the P1 is is uh, interesting because the entire thing is uh, is carbon fiber reinforced. And um, of course, you know, like losing a rod at 230 miles an hour, probably not a good day. Uh, so we're going to have to have some contingencies for that. And uh, there are ways to put a cage in a P1, like they have provisions in it, um, uh, like in the, in the carbon itself, like for a factory, uh, like built cage. But honestly, I don't think that cage is anything really, uh, you know, it, it's going to support you in a crash that does, you know, like 200 over. I think whatever's there is probably okay. Um, but we're also going to have, you know, lots of safeties and redundancy and all that stuff. Um, now, the the idea is we want to do it as uh, legit as possible. It's not, it's not just going to be me and my buddies go out and, you know, <laughs> like, see how fast we can go. Like, we want to uh, dot our I's and cross our T's. Um, I've been talking to um, ben Collins. So I, I recently did, mm-hmm. a, did a, a video with Ben Collins, super nice guy. Uh, for anybody that doesn't know, he was the stig on Top Gear for a very long time, Top Gear in its heyday. And uh, he's definitely down to do something like that. And I would love, I mean, that would be like a bucket list item for me. Um, so we need to make sure that the car is as safe as possible. If I'm driving it, that's fine. But if somebody else is driving it, I want to make sure, you know, this thing is, is I, legit. I- I was going to say it's like as much seat time as any of us have had in a car when you're doing something like that. Uh, yeah. You need, you need somebody like Ben Collins that. Yes. Can, can feel it in their ass when they need to back off. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, absolutely. If, you know, and, and I've had this conversation with, with Tanner Faust where, you know, I was like, he was like, yeah, and I was doing this thing. And he goes, and it's at a certain speed, he goes, I, I just felt it start to lift a little bit. And it didn't like we needed to back off. It was like one of those mm-hmm. conversations where I go, I don't know what that feels like. I don't know what's going on. I would have yeah. been up in the air. I would have lawn darted myself off of something. Uh, yeah. And and 
you need somebody that knows exactly what that what that feels like. But yeah, I don't know what I don't know. Like it, you know, <laughs> right. there's, there's only things that uh, that you learn with experience. And uh, I actually was out on a on a track with Ben Collins. We we're doing a um, uh, cheap car challenge and uh in the uk and i had this 2008 honda civic that i bought for 1500 pounds uh, it was a type r and uh ben took me around in it and this is the first time i've ever been in the car the first time he's ever been in the car and it had like some crappy crappy chinese tires unknown brakes and he's caning it around this track and i'm like you have a lot more trust in this car than i do because you know, the back end's rotating. It's a front wheel drive car. Like he's, he's making it do all these things that Honda never intended, but like he's feeling confident. He says, Oh, there's a lot of front end grip, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, I'll take your word for it. I'm just trying not to die. So uh, you need a person like that to know what the limit of the, the machine is, because if it was me, I don't know what that limit is. So I might be at 50% of the limit, or I might be at 110% of the limit. And that all looks the same to me. Yeah. All right. So before we wrap up, what do we get to see next? What's the what's going to be the next uh, drop on the YouTube channel? Is it is it more P one stuff? Uh, yeah. So I have I, right now. I have six videos uh, done. I am editing the next video, which is uh, looking into the engine to see how much water I can get out of it. Uh, we're putting a boroscope in the engine and draining all the fluids, and then after that, I'm um, bringing it to uh, a dry ice lab where we're taking all of the sand and crap out of it to see what is actually beneath it, um, to see how, how clean we can make it to make it look like it's a, actually a 300 mile car. Uh, and then I'm gonna take it to McLaren. Um, like we, we, t- we also take out the battery to see how bad that is. Spoiler alert, it's pretty bad. Uh, and then we take it to McLaren to see what they think um, and you know how much it would actually cost to get the car refurbished through them. It sounds exciting. You know, I did the dry ice blasting on one of my cars, the whole undercarriage and stuff. And mm-hmm. those guys, the, the guys that know what they're doing, they're phenomenal with it because they can dry ice blast and change the intensity of it so they can remove, yeah. you know, paint if they wanted to, or they can clean materials and leave original, you know, paint pen marks and stuff. But they and can overspray, do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They can do, they can do a door panel. They can do materials. They can do, yeah. you know, uh, uh, you know, they did under the hood and they did the, the hood liner material and stuff yeah. for me on there. So it, it's kind of an interesting process. Like if you take apart your interior, there may be a way for them to even salvage some of that with a, just a really good cleaning. I don't know. Oh about yeah. The, yeah. And, and we, and we did foam, exactly that. But... We took all the glass out and all that stuff. So it's, it's been uh you know, it's been a process. What's uh, interesting is that, you know, this is some, million dollar hypercar, but it's actually pretty easy to take apart. It's really easy to work on. So uh, that part at least has been uh, a joy to do. It, it wasn't, you know, a slog where it's like some old Lamborghini that's rusted. And also, you know, it was engineered by some guy who had no idea how to put this thing back together again. Yeah, I guess if you think about the amount of technology and engineering that went into a car like that, when you reverse the process, it probably makes a little bit more sense than if if it was just, you know, something very, very old and no real thought, like we've worked on so many vintage Lamborghinis and Adams place that, and we go to auction and look at them all that we can't figure out like some of them, there's a e-brake 
that you you know you pull up old school style and yeah. sometimes they're on the left of the yeah. the seat and sometimes they're on the right of of mm-hmm. the driver's seat and I think we sat down with uh, uh, Valentino Balboni I, I believe yeah. the the Lamborghini test driver mm-hmm. from back in the day. I go why is this and he goes depends on who put it together. Yep. He goes, the guy, some Italian guy was just like, am I right-handed? Am I left-handed? Do I think it looks better here or there? It's like, they just, just did it however they wanted to do it. That was it. Yeah. You drill the holes and you put it in. Like, I mean, that's, that's what your that, job is. That was it. <laughs> All right, Freddie. Thanks so much. I, I appreciate it. We're going to wrap things up Thank here. You. Guys go to YouTube, uh, follow him on, on social media as well at Tavarish. Um, follow the YouTube channel there, and it's uh, it's some pretty interesting stuff. I, we're going to have to get into this another time, but I'm looking for a follow-up on the 675 LT because you spent all that time. I saw it at SEMA, and then you blew a hole in the motor. And <laughs> uh, No, correction, three holes. Three holes. Okay. <laughs> and and uh, I don't want to I don't want to point fingers or anything, but there is a hole, several holes in that engine. Um mm-hmm. And I don't know, like you say on your on your YouTube channel quite a lot, uh, this uh, tragedy, maybe uh, an opportunity, maybe it gives you yeah. an opportunity to to listen. I think that 675 LT was the best learning, you know, the best master class you can take to, mm-hmm. to take on the P1 project. Absolutely. And uh, I was actually thinking if I'm going to be building up this P1, why don't I just put the P1 engine in the 675? Like, I think that would be kind of cool. Right. Except that was underwater. It's full of salt. So ah, it's okay. You know what? You know what? That's <laughs> tiny details, small details. That's fine. When you, when you pull the oil plug to drain the oil out or whatever, and, and water comes out of it, you're like, eh, it's just... only, only two gallons, only two gallons. Came out. It's fine. <laughs> and it's salt water. Yeah. It's the best yeah. kind of water. Uh, you're going to have to have a conversation with a, a friend of ours, uh, Lake Speed Jr. at some point. Lake. Uh, will tell you all about the piston rings and the sidewalls of the cylinders mm-hmm. and the honing of it and the microscopic things. And like, he is the master when it comes to that. Just get a, a lesson uh, from him on what you're looking forward to with a saltwater <laughs> engine. <laughs> oh, I can't, I can't wait. I, 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 I'm sure. Uh, well, good luck on the project. We're going to be following Thank along. You. We'll check in again and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how you guys are doing on it. I appreciate it. Thank you guys. Um, what do you say? We're going to wrap it up. All right. We're going to wrap it up. Uh, thanks guys. Until next time, keep the air and the spare and the bag and the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. CarCast Show.